All right. Yeah. All right, we're here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me start this one. Hey, I'm John. I'm Chris. And uh, we've been having the same conversation about video games for the last 28 years and decided to start a podcast about it. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're welcome. <laughs> and it still doesn't have a name. And it still doesn't have a name, but in two weeks, it'll have a name. In two weeks, it'll have a name. Are you sure about that? No, but you got to be confident about yeah. these things. That's the only way it works. Yeah, that's, that's a good... Well... So the truth is, uh, next week we will not be recording because Chris is running off to... The Dominican Republic. Dominican Republic, where he will not be playing video games and... That's what you think. That's <laughs> I'm going to have my laptop for work, so I might bring my controller and play a little Dragon Ball Fighters while I'm there. It's not super computer intensive. Wait a minute, you got this tournaments coming up. You gotta, yeah, i got to practice. Yeah. I, I have to blur the line, though, between playing and having fun with it and, like, not getting stressed out because I'm playing and getting annoyed by the game. Yeah. So I want to relax, but I do want to probably play a little bit of video games. So <laughs> we'll, we'll see what that balance ends up being. I don't know whether I'm actually going to bring my controller or not. You probably will. I probably will. <laughs> I mean, it's a tiny object. What can it hurt? Yeah. Um, well, I think we got a couple things we want to talk about today. I'm going to start off with some shorter game updates that I've got. Uh, I did not get a whole lot of time to play much of anything last week. That's very yeah. sad. Yeah, I mean, in fact, we're not even recording this today. We normally record Mondays, and then uh, we have that episode out on Wednesday. We're actually recording on Wednesday because I had a you know, big company meeting on Monday, which ate up the entire day, and then yeah. yesterday was work and work. So, um, But, but... Uh, I did play Lineage 2. Good, good, great. That's what we were all waiting for. Uh, I'm in the late 140s now, almost 150. Ooh, that's and like Grandmaster level-ish. I, I if you remember last week I was prepping to do my first limit break. Yeah. It failed. Oh, no. <laughs> but, but the percentage of it succeeding next time has gone up. From what to what? From 20% to 30%. That's great. 50% improvement. Yeah, it's not bad. Or something like that. I don't know exactly yeah. what it is, but it's... It's still terrible. Yeah, no, it's... Oh, but I did actually... We did a big, uh, you, know, you know, I kind of talked about how in the endgame stuff, there's it requires, like, coordination and organization and yeah. you know, people. And yeah. So my clan tried to take on uh, one of the, like, the second to hardest kind of dun clan dungeon you can do. Damn. And uh, we... Did not win. No. So we had like we had like forty people in it, and then we uh, blasted out over the server. You know, hey, you can do a public invite. So like we're just the clan. Okay. You can choose who you're inviting, and so we're all in there working on it, trying to kill this thing. We brought it down to like ten percent, and it's taking forever. Um, and then uh, we blasted out over the server, like, hey, we opened up the invite to the entire servers, and more people started jumping in. Um, but even still, even with our entire clan and all that help, um, we can only we only got down like five percent at most. And the way they, the, what they do in this point, so it doesn't just grind on forever. Yeah, it's like it has it has ability. It'll throw more monsters at you. Like there's a main boss you're trying to take down, right? And it's going to keep throwing more monsters at you, and it starts healing itself. Okay. So it's not just doing this much damage at some after some period of time. It's you have to do a certain amount of damage within a certain amount of time. Okay. So it has a, a rage timer. It's yeah. The mechanic of. And so you, if you can't kill it fast enough. Right. Bad things start happening. Yeah, and you'll never be able to kill it. Right. Right. So we had to. We ended up bailing on it, which was very sad for everyone. How long did you play? How long did that raid last? Oh man, it was like. 30 minutes. <laughs> okay. I mean... It sucked. Nobody yeah. wanted to give up. <laughs> I guess that's pretty long for a mobile game. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you're doing... Well, it was just one boss that you were fighting? Yeah, just one boss. Oh, uh, wow. Well. That sucked. Well, yeah. it's like one boss, and then it throws monsters at you constantly. And Okay. So you, people kind of try to work up and work into groups and try to stay close to each other. You try to put a healer in. You know, it's like any... You know, tanks, right. healers, DPS. Did you do any raids in any of the desktop MMOs, like World of Warcraft? Or I ha yeah, it's been a very long time. Right, yeah, it's been a while for me, too. I remember when they when they came out, it was super fun. Right. It sounds like this is like the mobile version of it, right? You just go straight to the boss instead of going through lots of little mobs, and you fight a mini-boss, and then you fight a, you know mobs, and then yes. another mini-boss. But it actually has those also. Oh, it does, okay. Yeah, which, I, which are the same idea. It's a little mini Okay. And you run, you get a group together, and you got to fight through. There's a story, you fight through people, you got many bosses, final bosses. And, and that was a different one, like, but that would be a different one than the one you did? Right, the one we did is just straight up like, here's, just a, boss. here's a big bad, jump at it, see if okay. you can beat it, yeah. That's cool. That's fun. Um, 
So that's Lineage 2. Uh, the, other, the other game I started looking at was Grim Dawn, uh, which is a, yeah. a Diablo clone that came out yep. a few years ago, right? Yeah, it's it's probably two years old at this point. It just came out with an expansion Maybe that's why people not are talking too about long it. ago. Yeah, I think so. And it's one of the more highly regarded Diablo clones that okay. are out there. Well, I, I bring it up because I had two people recommend it to me mm-hmm. randomly in the last week. Yeah. Which, which took me by surprise. I was like, yeah. all right, well, let me go check this thing out. It's sure. on Steam. And, you know, I, since I since I had fired up Steam on my, my work computer to see if I could get, you know, for the whole city skylines catastrophe. <laughs> One uh, day, maybe it'll work. Yeah, right. Um, I started looking through Steam again and was getting, you know, saying, oh, yeah, there's, there's all these games. And, like... Yeah, you've been missing out. How long uh, has it been since you really played stuff on Steam? It's been... Besides like, City Skylines? At least... Two years, maybe. Yeah, you've got a lot of games you've missed out on. Well, and I was looking at my library too, and I remember when the when they did the THQ like closed down, they gave away all their games. Yeah, I was looking, I was like, I've got it. That was cool. Yes, I've got so many games. That That was cool. Yeah, well, not cool that they went down because I was a huge fan of Dawn of War. We should talk about Dawn of War. Well, most of their properties have been bought up. Yeah. So Nordic basically bought up the vast majority of THQ's products. Okay. And. The ones that they didn't have, they started buying up recently. I, I don't remember which ones they didn't have and which ones they do and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But basically, the company now is called THQ Nordic. Oh. They're slowly just Becoming. eating them from the inside out. Because <laughs> <laughs> THQ, I mean, has sexy name cachet for a lot of old school gamers. Oh, yeah. I mean, Fine. a lot of us remember, like you said, Dawn of War was an amazing game. The first Dawn of War was an amazing yeah, game. Yeah, Dawn of War 2... It was okay. Yeah, Dawn of War had like just some really cool mechanics that yep. I'd never really had experience in other um, games like that. Right. And it was a. Uh, and it was really well done. Oh yeah. It was. It wasn't superbly balanced from what I remember. I mean, at our level of like we're not pros, it was balanced enough. Yeah. yeah everybody. Uh, but at the high level, I think it was pretty imbalanced. I think there was one faction or race that was pretty strong. Okay. But. Again, for us, we're not. We don't yeah, care. We're not. That big we're is. not doing any of that stuff. But I, the one thing I, I remember, the one thing that really got me into the series initially, other than the fact that I was a, a fan of the universe, right. uh, Warhammer Forty K universe, but um, the just the the visceral like like how, I know it's just animation, it's just flavor, right? But the right. way they had like you'd have like twenty units, twenty units fighting. They yeah. didn't feel like they were just standing there shooting at each other, you know, through playing out animation. It felt like they were actually clashing and killing each other. And that that's that was cool. Yeah, that's that's something I noticed you really like is a very kind of realistic visual experience that things interact uh, in a way that's like doesn't feel gamey. Yeah, it actually looks realistic and, and visceral. Even if it's like orcs and weird Eldar creatures, right? Like using laser weapons. But they're like fighting and clashing. They're not just swing yeah. through a body, swing through a body, and right. back and forth, right? Right. So and that does add a lot of immersion, I think, to a game. And I, I'd uh, and one of the things that before I jump off of that, I remember one thing I really liked too is that once I discovered that. You know, if you could throw, here's how I explain it. If you threw a grenade into a uh, squad, mm-hmm. it would cause them to not fall over, which would cause them to stop shooting. Right. So grenades didn't just do damage; they also did damage and disrupted their ability to do damage. Right. And so once you, fi- you know, once I figured that out, it was fun just like working with all your little squ- all the squads you have and just constantly grenading people in the right spots. You know, that goes back to it. So it's not just like you know a representation of a number dealing damage to another number. It's like it felt like they were actual units fighting and right. they could impact each other more than just doing damage. That was what was really cool about the game is the tactical element. You mm-hmm. had so many options that were more than just how much damage can I do yeah, in yeah. base. Like, yeah, there's always been stuns and those sort of things in games, but this adds a whole other dynamic that not only adds tactics to the game, but it's really intuitive to grasp because you think... Okay, I threw a grenade, they all dive down. Like, that just makes sense inherently. Yeah. Versus, I cast a spell, some weird effect I've never heard of because it doesn't exist in the real world happens, and that doesn't necessarily jive with you immediately. I mean, it does after a while and you start picking up the game, but I think that realistic element really helped just kind of 
get us to grasp the game a lot sooner and faster and made it more enjoyable for that yeah. reason. I mean, I, it was also one of the games I got really good at. Uh, yeah. And I had a, I had my, my trick play, which is my favorite thing to do, mm-hmm. is I'd play Space Marines, and you'd build up the uh, Dreadnoughts, and you got the okay. orbital launch, I suppose called, I think, so you could drop them into the battlefield. Yeah, field. sure. So what I would do is I'd be just playing out a normal fight, right? Just just kind of going back and forth, not really pushing, uh, not, not really giving ground. In the background, I'm dumping all these resources into building in a whole bunch of these Dreadnoughts. Mm-hmm. And I'll build like three or four of them, right? And then I'll get into a fight, and I'm, they're kind of pushing back, and I'll wait for the right moment, and then I would just go one, two, three, four, and drop those paws right <laughs> in the middle of their army. And it has the same effect as the grenades. When those things hit, anything near it get knocked over and stop fighting. So you basically, I'd grenade grenades, I'd drop four of those dreadnoughts into the middle of their army, and that would basically, for a moment, stun their entire force. And then they're all getting slaughtered by these. And then you go to town. Yeah, and then I go to town, then I roll into the base and destroy one. That usually works pretty well. For I remember... It's super fun to do. I remember at QuakeCon, whenever we last went to QuakeCon. Oh, God. So, 15 years ago. Maybe not 15, 15 years, years ago. ago. I don't know. Probably a little less than that, but a long time ago. That's when I was at the big convention center. Yeah. Dallas, we're right? prob- we probably went in early college, maybe. Was our last time we went? The last time we went, yeah. I think I want to say sometime in college. Yeah, tw- right. we were nineteen or twenty-ish, something like that. But I remember whenever we went, we did a Dawn of War tournament that we set up, and it was me and Ben against you and Jeff in the finals. <laughs> <laughs> After all of it, so yeah. that was a lot of fun. <laughs> but I think it was cool. I think we had like sixteen people or something, or like eight teams sign up. Yeah, we did two on two, and that was a lot of fun. Those yeah. are kind of. Cool memories, I think, for gaming is having those random experiences. And it's such a weird... I don't know what... Because I haven't been to one of these in a long time. But I remember... Uh, what was that guy who was just so good at uh, Quake 3? Fatality? Fatality, yeah. yeah. And he's like... If you could get one... Didn't you didn't you win something because you got one yeah, kill by I, chance? I, I killed him. It was a... I think a Doom 4? Quake 4? I don't know. Whatever Doom or Quake was out at that time that yeah. had just come out... And it was get a kill on fatality, get a free sound card and or he, something. And he was playing with a flashlight, right? Wasn't he killing people with the flashlight? No, he was. He had normal oh. stuff. For some reason, I thought he was running around with just a flashlight. And just maybe, I mean, maybe shooting. he started with it, but he wasn't. You no, know, he killed me with a gun okay. several times. He killed me with a gun. Yeah. It, but it was if you get a kill on him, you get something. If you beat him, you get. A video card or something. Yeah. Like you, you get you know thirty dollars thing if you get a kill within five minutes or whatever. <laughs> so but if you beat him, you get a three hundred dollar video card, something like Which that. I don't think anyone did. And yeah, probably maybe one of the other pros beat him or something. Who knows, right? <laughs> but but it was a cool thing. You know, it's funny. I actually saw uh, Fatality pop up on Twitch or Twitter or something. And so he's not as popular now as he used to be because that era of gaming has long since passed and now we're in the Twitch era. Yeah. And he was trying to get some really popular Twitch streamer to play with him and the Twitch streamer just ignores him. <laughs> and it's just really funny seeing this guy who's the most iconic person from our era of gaming, yeah. really, at least American. One of, yeah. And now he gets ignored by the most popular people. <laughs> it's really weird <laughs> how that ends up playing out. So why were they just ignoring him? Just they... I, I don't know if they're just busy or didn't see it or whatever, but he's asked them something like, hey, do you want to stream together or whatever? Yeah. And it's just sort of no response. So I don't know that it was a intentional thing. It might have just been like, I don't know who you are because <laughs> they may not know who they are. They I mean, the know who most is, yeah. popular streamers are people in their early 20s. Yeah, Fatality so Fate, was... You know, Fatality, when he was popular, they were like eight <laughs> If that. If that. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it makes sense that they may not even know who they are, and they may just think, who's this guy, Fatality, whatever. Right. You know, he's got this pitiful audience compared to me. Yeah, we should, at some point we ought to do a, a whole deep dive on on uh, land parties and, and uh, yeah. conventions like that. Yeah, that'd be fun. That would be fun. We could so do a whole podcast on it, honestly. I know. You, I mean, maybe we should at some point. Yeah. Because, yeah, there was something just reminded me that one time uh, we were at a, in Houston, uh, Hal PC, remember that place? Yeah, Hal PC. Yeah, and we would go and have land parties that was there. Really cool. Yeah, and I remember one time somebody had a an alpha an alpha build of Quake Three. <laughs> it's like way before it was. So it was right. a true, it was a true, you know. So it's a true alpha build. I don't even know how they how they got their hands on it. I mean, I guess ID Software is in in Texas, in so yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, they were playing an, an alpha version of the game. We were all standing around the computer, you know, just going, "Wow, 
cool. You know what? Yeah, back then, getting an alpha release of something was awesome because there were yeah. like five good games that came out every year. Yeah, <laughs> instead yeah. of a thousand that come out every year now. And like, also, it was like a big deal. Like nowadays, right. like you really want to get your hands on an alpha or beta, it's you know, you, the internet now is a big thing. It's probably not. I mean, Steam early access, they just do. That's how they sell right. games now. <laughs> yeah, they just sell. You, that's you, just a normal thing. You buy the alpha. The game barely works, but you can buy it. Uh, but back then it was fine anyways. Uh, we're getting super off we are. topic. I agree. So what, what else you got on this? Uh... Uh, the only other thing I got a chance to get my hands on was uh, Battlefront 2, Star Wars okay. Battlefront 2. And I don't want to get into the whole loot box thing. That's another, that could easily be an entire podcast. Yeah, just, just like the land party thing. Yeah. I could also. Yeah, it's already been, a lot. people talk about that to death as it is. Yeah, uh, so the non-loot box stuff. Yeah, well, it was just, I, I wanted to play it because it looked super, super fun. Um, but I ended up not buying it when I first came out because of, well, actually because of a lot of the loot box stuff. And, right. Um, I was trying to, val- I could only get one game. I was trying to evaluate which game do I want to get. Um, and uh, so I finally got my hands on it or to play it at a friend's house. And I remember the, what surprised me is I found the uh, the single, the uh, ground level combat uh, mm-hmm. kind of clunky, honestly. Like I was playing it, it just felt, just didn't feel didn't feel good. It was moving around or shooting or yeah. what part of it didn't feel good? Maybe not clunky, just messy, I guess. Okay. I don't know how else to describe it. Just playing it like, you know, you're you're one of the characters or a hero and they're, they're, you know, you're all running around. It just felt kind of chaotic and uh, not not very smooth, I guess. Okay. I'm trying to find the right words. Well, anyways, what I can say though is that the space combat side uh, was like the total opposite. That was super fun. Um, it felt really tight, really fun. Uh, I could have played the. I seriously could have played the uh, the one space the space levels just where you're in the ships. Yeah, I could have done that for hours. That was do fun. they have the hero mechanic in space as well? Yeah, they okay. do. So you can get like hero ships. Okay, stuff like that. It's it's fun, man. That that part was fun. I would I like I said I'd play that for hours and just kind of I'd ignore the the ground level stuff. But you know I only played it for a minute there. So yeah, uh, well I've got one game I beat last week. Very short game called <clears throat> Super Hot. Yeah, you talked about it last week. Yeah, and it's cool. It's sort of a John Wick simulator is the best way I've seen it described. Wait, seriously? Yeah, because the way it plays out... It's such it's, a great movie, by the way. John Wick, the first one is a really great movie. Really great movie. The second, the second one, one is, is okay. Yeah, that's how I... Okay, well, at least we agree there. Okay, I know you won't get it. Yeah, so, so Super Hot... The mechanic of it is a little gimmicky, and it's good that it's only about a two-hour game, because by the end of it, it was completely done. Yeah. But it was really cool to play for a little bit. So every time that you're not moving, the game doesn't move, or it moves very, very slowly. So if somebody, if enemies are walking around, or enemies are shooting you, you can have time to react to a bullet, because you just sidestep them, because you see them coming from a few feet away, because time is not moving. And then you move, and time starts, resumes back up. And so all of the levels are kind of this virtual simulation. Everyone is just a red person, right? Like you think of in VR, mm-hmm. all the levels are white, uh, very monochromatic levels. But around the levels, you can pick up different things to throw at people. So there might be pans or glasses, depending on what stage you're in. And then you can also punch people and take their guns from them. Yeah. So you'll do these cool moves where you punch them, grab their gun out of midair, and then shoot them. And so it feels very much like, hey, I'm John Wick, I'm being a badass, and you can punch someone, grab a gun, shoot another guy, throw something at somebody else, throw the gun at somebody, grab their gun, because they released it from you throwing your gun at them, and then shoot everybody else. (laughs) And so all these levels are pretty neat, and they're a little bit of a puzzle to kind of figure out, because... Sounds like it's a puzzle. Yeah, they spawn, and, and then they all happen in sort of the same order, right? If you play a level, the same things will happen in the same order. And so enemies will spawn out of different points at different after you've killed a certain number of them. Mm-hmm. So it's fun. The the mechanics are enjoyable, and I think they would be really cool in another game. But the way that the levels played out kind of got very repetitive feeling because all you're doing is sort of looking for where the next guy spawns so I can make my next advance, and it kind of slowed down the whole pacing of the game because instead of kind of going in a straight line like you do in a lot of shooters and right. Okay, I'm going to shoot this guy, then do this. You end up turning around to look for where they're spawning at us. You don't just get shot in the back. Right. And that really hurt the pace. The other part of the game that was kind of, eh, the whole story, the very 
blase level design, which made sense because it is a VR and all of that. But oh, it's it's meant to be a yeah. You you are in a simulation playing this game. There's even a sort of interface where you have to execute superhot.exe to play the game <laughs> okay. from the game itself. <laughs> So those things are cool. Meant, I thought you meant it's an, it's an actual virtual yeah, reality. Yeah, no, sorry. It's not a virtual reality. Okay. It's just that you are playing as if you were in virtual reality. Well, I mean, I, the p- pacing thing doesn't surprise me because what you're describing, it does sound like a cool mechanic, but the only, only way for that to function is to slow the whole game down. Yeah. yeah. And so I think I agree with you there that it probably was hard to make it all work together. So I think if they were able to put that mechanic of this sort of turn-based first-person shooter thing they've got going on into a more visceral, realistic uh, sort of setting. I think the game would be a lot more enjoyable. And you could put that in for 10 hours, 12 hours, and have a really great single-player campaign. But as is, it was sort of more like a a demo feel than a full-on fleshed-out game. So I think it's fun if you pick it up for $5. Totally worth it to check it out. I mean, that may be what it actually is. It could have been them, like, hey, we've got this new mechanic we want to we want to sell. Right. Um, that reminded me, reminds me of, remember that game Max Payne? Yeah. So I think they had the bullet time, what they yeah, called Yeah, they it. were the originators of bullet time. Yeah. Uh, that was, um, that's what you made me think of. Because it's a, it, the game's playing out, you know, it's, it's at full speed. But right. you can choose in certain situations when you have like I forget enough energy to do it. You hit a button mm-hmm. and it switches to this. So, where what you know, if they were to take that idea and put it into an actual game or like a full, more fleshed out game, I could see it where you kind of activate the ability to like freeze time, except how you when you it will move when you move. Something like that. Yeah, and then sure. then you get to use it, but that means the rest of the game is the pacing still there, it's still flowing. Yeah, and I think if you had somebody who was better at designing levels, so that enemies were always oh, coming at you from the front. Burn. Well, it's just the enemies <laughs> coming from behind you in something that is slow paced like that, with like quick bursts of action. Yeah, it's breaks the entire pacing of the game to have them come from all these different directions and you have to spend time looking for them. And that's not the fun part of the game. Right. The fun part of the game is seeing all the enemies and then figuring out how you're going to resolve the situation. Yeah. And so I think that's sort of a problem with the game. Maybe if there was an alert so that you knew where all the enemies were or you had a mini-map, something right. that you didn't have to go and just, okay, let me twirl around the map <laughs> every few seconds to what, figure out where the new enemies are. What was the developer again? It's an indie developer. Just some, do you remember their name? No, oh. it's a new developer. I don't know who they are. Well, hey, new developer that that Chris doesn't know the name of. He <laughs> thinks you suck. <laughs> no, they're cool. They're cool. Just make a better game next time. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I'm I'm pretty harsh on games. So me saying that it's worth $5 is better than a lot of other games. That does mean a lot, actually. So look on the bright side. That's Yeah, you saying it's worth 5 bucks means it's, you know. It's at least worth paying money for. Yeah, and it sounds like the game's not too long. No, so it's, it's, a, like it's the, a two-hour game. Like a right there, size there, game. There is an endless yeah. mission thing, so you can just kill as many enemies as you want, and they just keep spawning around. That's fun for a little bit, but again, by the time I was doing that, I was sort of already done with the game. I've seen Once you see the mechanics and you fully get into them, yeah. you've sort of seen the game. So I, I think that's where you stop. I'm willing to bet they are using this as kind of a, like a showpiece to probably raise money to do a bigger game. Probably. That's a great thing to take to potential investors. Like, hey, and we want to, you know, we're trying to get some big money or a big publisher to say, hey, here's what we can do. Here's our ideas. You know, here's proof of concept that it works. Right. And, and, it, and it did pretty well yeah. in terms of sales. Yeah. So, so, I mean, they've at least been able to make one. I think I looked at it. The price was $25. Uh, it's like the full retail price. Okay. So people are buying it that that's a crazy and B they're making some money. Yeah. I got it for free again on Twitch at some, <laughs> some point because they just give away these things for free. I need to get on. I need to start paying attention to this. You really do. Thanks. So what, tell me. Wait. Uh, we need to take a break here in a second. But before we do, tell me. Tell me that again. Like how, how are you getting so games on Twitch? Amazon owns Twitch. That's right. Twitch gives away free games once a month or so. Okay. Kind of sporadically and randomly. And they've been pretty good. I've gotten the two best games I've gotten have been Super Hot and Shadow Tactics. Okay. Uh, I haven't started Shadow Tactics yet, but I'm looking forward to it. And I remember we talked about this last time because then I followed up that statement with "We are not sponsored by right. Amazon." <laughs> yeah, we're not. But, but yeah, we are still cool. not sponsored by Amazon. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, there's probably something you can sign up for to make sure you get all those alerts. Yeah, let's check that. All right, uh, break time. Yeah, let's do it. All right, sweet.
Welcome to part two, where we <laughs> part two <laughs> shall discuss the game Sleeping, Sleeping Dogs. dogs. <laughs> what? I don't know why that just happened. Ah, sometimes it's got to happen. That's that's how you uh, intro Sleeping Dogs. Well, we talked about it last time for a bit, um, but yep. now you finished the game. So right? I just finished Sleeping Dogs. It's an older game. Uh, I think it came out probably. Three or four years ago, the studio that made it has since gone under, which oh. is sad because they were actually working on a Sleeping Dogs too, uh-huh. and now that's not going to happen. Was, at least not from them. Who was the studio? I don't remember. I, they made Sleeping Dogs. <laughs> you got to make more than one game before I know who you are. Not memorable enough. Yeah, it, they had a really weird long name. I think they were a French studio, uh, so you know it's harder to remember languages I don't know. But uh, in any case, Sleeping Dogs was a really good game. Uh, so I'm really happy I finished it. it. It entered my top 50, so I keep a record of my top 50 games. <laughs> Do you really? Yeah. <laughs> and it, it really helps me. So the reason I, a big reason I do that is because if I'm playing a game and I know it's not going to be in my top 50 yeah. at some point, I stop playing it. Unless I'm like 30 minutes from the end or something. I got you. So it helps me... A, get through my backlog a lot faster, and B, really enjoy the games that I'm playing. So I had a tendency to just try to finish games. Yeah. It's, as long as I didn't hate them, as long as they were okay, I would try to finish them. And it really got to the point where it was actually draining to play games, because I'm doing stuff just sort of to go through the motions. Right. And that's not what gaming or any fun activity should be about. Yeah, I remember, t- I remember like, it's like a year ago we were talking about this exact thing. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, so my, my opinion on how I handle games has really changed. That's good. No, I've... I've because especially when it's you know you've limited amounts of time, right? I right. only have so much time of the day, so much time of the week. I have to be real careful. So like the last time I made a game, a real game purchase, uh, I was having to choose between like the new Gran Turismo <laughs> game, uh, mm-hmm. Star Wars Battlefront Two, and I think Assassin's Creed was coming out, and right. uh, there's one other two that I was evaluating, and okay. I just I sat there and. and you know, I really had to think about which which way I was going to go. And it's not even that you can afford all of them, but yeah, yeah, you can't play well, all of them. So I what's mean, the point I'll, of buying them? To be fair, I mean they're all like sixty dollars games. Sure. So it would have cost me quite a bit. Sure, um, it's a it's a brand new system by four sixty dollars games. Yeah, uh, That's but fair. but it's a uh, but it's such a huge time time constraint. So I'm like, which one is going to get my time so I can play it fully? And you know, Gran Turismo came out. It turned out it was like it had this weird kind of like only online thing and there's no they kind of gotten rid of the whole like single player building up your racing cars building up your cars building your garage mm-hmm. building your career and just they kind of skipped all of that and just went straight to just playing online it which, sounds like what EA did with the Sim or not the Sim yes, the Sim City basically. we talked about I think in our first podcast kind of like that yeah and so I, I that turned me off because I wanted to play I, I was getting excited about the idea of you know, running because I remember Grant, when it first came out it was such a cool kind of like groundbreaking game uh, anyway, so that was out. Battlefront Two. We already talked about why that was out. I ended up getting <laughs> Assassin's Creed and uh, the Origins game. That was super fun. Was really Did you finish fun. it? Yeah, and the expansion. Oh, uh, there's some new expansions that have come out that I have not picked up yet. Okay, we'll have to uh, do another dive into that. Okay. Yeah, we have a lot of potential topics later. Yeah, on, right? yeah. which <laughs> is always good. It's really dive. Anyway, Sleeping Dogs. So, so. Sleeping Dogs yeah. is an open world sort of GTA like game. You are a, an undercover cop in Hong Kong. Uh, infiltrating the triad, the uh, Chinese Hong Kong uh, crime organization, uh, particularly the Sun On Yi, which is one of the, the biggest division of the triad, or the biggest gang, I guess, yeah. uh, of the triad. And so over the course of the story, you get higher and higher as you elevate your status by accomplishing all of these missions. Meanwhile, you're a cop trying to do these other yes. uh, official police investigations. So you get cop points and triad points. And yeah, so one of the neat mechanics of all of the missions is yeah, you get cop points and triad points. Figure out that one person, one one human life is worth three property. Damages. Yeah, three property damages is a human life because you lose fifteen <laughs> points for killing a person, and you lose five points for causing property damage. So different than GTA. Because in GTA, you get fifteen points for killing. Yeah, someone. T- totally different. <laughs> th- th- those are those are the only differences of those games. Okay. Uh, so in the game, uh, you're going through all these missions and. You have a lot of other side quests that you can do, similar to all these other open-world games. Uh, but I found as I was kind of diving into side quests and trying them out, I was actually getting really bored and getting turned off in the game. So the side quests are okay, but they're sort of just filler content, 
Whereas what's really cool about the game is its story, because it really immerses you in the entire world. And it does use the open world to kind of make the story a little bit better, because you're racing through the streets of Hong Kong. All these cars in your way are kind of simulating this car chase, so that's important. Uh, you might run into a, a club that mm-hmm. just happens to be somewhere in Hong Kong. And so you go in there, and it's situated in this area, and maybe it's a bad area of town. So you run into some other thugs from a rival gang, and you <laughs> take them down, or they get in your way in some manner. Yeah. And so it creates some kind of cool organic concepts. So city, it has a good city building. It has, a, yeah. yeah. Good it, world building. It has sorry. good world building. It's a good atmosphere. And so, so throughout the game, uh, you're playing through, you start to kind of care about these characters. They don't get as fleshed out as I would necessarily like. Mm-hmm. They sort of have, in between parts of the story, you see that your character, your main character has a relationship with them that's exceeded what you've seen on screen. Because time, like, obviously passes. Right. And so that part was a little... <laughs> yeah, there's, yeah this, the serious karaoke thing. You yeah, know, there was... One date, and then, like... She's cheating on you, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we like talked it. about that last time. You go from a karaoke song to being in a one-way relationship with yeah. somebody. It's very... Yeah, so there's some leaps of faith in the game. But when you get past that, uh, the story is really good. Uh, the pacing was incredible. Okay. And the gameplay is okay, None of it is particularly exceptional, but there's a lot of varied components of the gameplay. So you have your hand-to-hand combat, which plays out sort of like Batman, uh, Arkham yeah, Asylum, and those Shadows games. Of War, that kind of thing. Yeah, you have the gunplay, which is sort of like GTA. The driving, which also is sort of like GTA. You have puzzle elements that are sort of these mastermind-type puzzles where uh, you will enter some numbers and you'll see whether it's in the right position or not, or whether it's the right number, okay. and you kind of rearrange them. There's some other little, just quick, easy puzzles. And it has a good amount of different stuff in the game. None of it is, I would say, exceptional. The hand-to-hand combat's pretty good. I mean, it's up there with those... If you like Assassin's Creed and Batman, you'll love this hand-to-hand combat. But otherwise, nothing truly exceptional. The thing that... The one individual element I really liked was the banter in the game. Mm -hmm. So... Like Dragon Age has really good banter. Bioware, <laughs> one of the good things they do is banter. Yes, yeah, which is just you know flavor, right? Right, but it really makes the game feel immersive, and these characters get brought to life. Because when you're walking around with other people, you don't just sit in silence, right. right? So you need to have some sort of conversations to bring everything to life. And every mission in Sleeping Dogs, when you're talking with somebody, when you're driving around with them in the car, there's constant talking going on. And so it makes everything feel so alive. And that's kind of what I keep coming back to is this game really brings you into the role of this yeah. badass character, very awesome main character, Wei Shen, who you're just totally invested in the story. You're totally invested in the things that are happening to him, to everyone else. And the game, because of that, is better than the sum of its parts. I would say a lot of the parts are just okay. Yeah. There's you know some exceptional points of the writing is fantastic, the answer is fantastic. There's some really funny quips uh, one that keeps getting shouted as you're walking around. There's these vendors who are selling food. Yeah. This is this dude who uh, says, a man who never eats pork buns is never a whole man. <laughs> and every time I hear that, I crack up. <laughs> just such a good line. And the game is full of stuff it's like that. It's just incredibly well-written. Well, you know, you're, you're kind of hitting the, hitting the important point there um, that when you have amazing story, a well-written story... You know, well acted or not, right? That can that can make up for a lot of other things. If you have a lot of just sort of not necessarily innovative or not necessarily super perfectly executed mechanics, if the story is incredible, you know, it's that can make up for a lot of that. Like to jump back to Super Hot earlier, that I think sounds like an example of a really great mechanic with no story, right? No flavor. So you're just like it just gets boring. But if I've got, I'm willing to do the same thing over and over and over if mechanically wise, if there's a great story going on around. Right, and that's a good point. And and I think if Sleeping Dogs had been a sort of one-trick pony, where it was all just hand-to-hand combat every time, mm-hmm. it would have started to wear. Because you're right, story can make up for okay gameplay, but at some point, the gameplay has to, if it dips too far below, even right. a good story can't save it. Right. 
And I think what Sleeping Dogs wisely did was keep changing up. So one mission, you're doing the little puzzle stealthy thing. Then the next mission, you're punching everybody. Then the next mission, you're driving through town in a high-speed chase. <laughs> I like the punching everybody mission. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of punching everybody missions. <laughs> the, one of the funny things about the game is you are an up-and-coming guy in the triad, right? So at some point, you probably could have some backup, right? But no, no, you go and fight 30 people by yourself for some reason. Infinite hordes of guys come out and shoot you. You're basically by yourself, maybe with like one other person. Somehow the like number game doesn't quite make sense. But that's okay. It's okay. That's it, 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 and it makes it sort of like a fun action movie, because that's yeah. the same thing that happens in any of those crazy action flicks, too, right? Just, yeah. This one guy against everybody and somehow prevails. And that's kind of what you get in the game. So even though it was pretty ridiculous when you really think about it, in the moment it's fun and right. adds to the experience. Right. Uh, GTA is also pretty similar in, in a lot of ways, but I haven't played GTA since the third one. You didn't play GTA V. I haven't played GTA V. I haven't played for it. It never goes on sale for enough, and I've just been waiting for either a big sale or I've been getting sidetracked with buying other games. Right. Uh, so GTA V... Was that's the most recent iteration? They've been, this, they've been you know developing the multiplayer side of it now for a couple right. of years, and then they did the the uh, HD kind of remake for the PS4 and Xbox uh, One. Okay, right? yeah, because I owned it for PS3, and then I oh. and so then when I got my PS4, I don't have it for that. Wow, it's an old game. It is an old game. Yeah, uh, it's been out for. I want to say three years, four years now. Yeah, that's definitely old. I know it's been out for a while because all I hear about is their online play. Yeah, which is still being supported to this to this day. Right. Um, but yeah, as far as GTA Five goes, man, that was. I, it's rare when I will describe a game as a work of art, but when you're walking around the city and the landscape, you know, for the first time, really exploring the world they built. Right. They put so much attention to <laughs> detail and breathing life into that. World that is just it is a work of art is the only way I can describe it. Okay, uh, I mean you know at a certain point you you've seen it all, heard it, you know heard all the banter and the quips and random things and right. Scenes, but you know it's and and then it's just the game's fun to play. But uh, while you're still when you first getting into it, man, I just remember thinking um, I was just blown away by the level of detail and the world felt. Alive. You walk down the street and there's people going about their day, cars driving by. I guess what you really want for an open world. Yeah. Something that actually brings the world to life. It feels like you are actually in this place and if you do things, people are going to freak out and react. Usually the things you're doing are like blowing things up and shooting things. So they should react. Yes, people should be freaking out. <laughs> <laughs> what is this guy doing? Yeah, that's just, man, that's, and that's one, one thing that Grand Theft Auto's, uh, they've been so good at since like the very, very first game is, mm-hmm. is creating you know, a decent, like, for, in terms of the technology of the time, creating a world that feels as alive as they can make it, mm-hmm. and then putting in all this super weird stuff <laughs> to find out. Right. Uh, is the, were the side missions interesting? I know there's, yeah, the story is supposed to be pretty good, right? Yeah, the story was, was, was good. It's not my favorite okay. one of the series. Not amazing, but it moves things along. Yeah, I think s- if Vice City or San Andreas are probably going to be, in terms of story. Okay. I want to say I think Vice City might actually be my all-time favorite okay. story, okay. but uh, that's not. But that's to say they get this GTA Five story is fantastic, right? Um, and I forget the actor's name, but the guy that got well, I see I should have done some more homework on this one. Nah, that's <laughs> fine. Um, but the actors that got are fantastic. The story is hilarious. Okay, uh, it's it's a lot of fun. Okay, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I I after finishing Sleeping Dogs. I had a little bit of a rekindling of interest of GTA, because the last time I played it, like so, it was GTA 3, and I right. thought the game was okay, but I never finished it. I didn't go through the whole story. I just kind of felt like, all right, I'm going to go shoot some people, I'm going to go do some random car chases. Yeah. Okay, I've sort of seen the game, I don't care anymore. Yeah, 3 was okay. Um, Vice City, the one that had set in the 80s, mm-hmm. that was, did you play that one? No, I mean, 3 oh, is so... all up. Is Vice City off of the GTA 3 engine or the GTA 4? Uh, I think that's a GTA 3 engine. Oh, okay. Um, and it, but it's what's so cool about that mm-hmm. one is it gives you that you start out as kind of like a nobody, right? And by the end of the game, you own properties and you've built up your own. Okay, kind of thing. doing all that. Yeah, you've kind of become this powerful person. And in San Andreas, what's great is they had there's you start out as just again just a guy off the corner, right? And uh, and this actually is my one complaint about five, but I'll get to that in a second. But okay. you start out as just a random guy on a corner. 
uh, and you build up your gang empire, and then you do all this work, and then like there's a twist, and suddenly none of that matters. But you're in this whole new situation, and the way it kind of weaves other characters together is is really fun. Interesting. Yeah, and that then sounds it, fun. The, my one my one complaint with five is it was lacking. It was very story. The story was great, but it okay. was lacking that sort of you're starting as a nobody and building up a thing. GTA Five is more you're in this world playing through a story, and and I do also like. You know, one th- one of the things I liked about both San Andreas and Vice City were the mechanics of like, you know, purchasing property felt more meaningful in Vice City and in San Andreas. There's like gang territory that you're trying to fight to expand and, and grow, and and that was that was fun. You know, you said that San Andreas, you didn't get the same sense of kind of building up an empire, though, or you didn't start. No, at the no, same you, point you get or? that same sense also because you okay. start you started. Basically- I was like, what, so, what, sorry, what was your complaint on San Andreas? Oh, my, no, my complaint was about. GTA 5. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, my point about GTA 5. I understand. Because that doesn't, it doesn't really have, have that. that, no. Yeah, you sort of start out with characters who actually have some sort of backstory already, right? Versus right. kind of more, not blank slate, but sort of... And instead of playing one character, you're jumping between three. Right. And so you don't necessarily get as connected to any one given character as you do in the previous games. You really get connected to your character. Do those have big ensemble casts, or are you usually dealing with a few major characters and that's it? Uh, in, in the Grand Theft Auto series? Yeah. I'd say it's usually... there's. A, an ensemble. Yeah. Okay. There's usually a lot of characters that kind of come in and out of the stories. And yeah. Along. I like that in Sleeping Dogs. I typically like big ensemble casts. I mean, something yeah. I liked about, you know, Game of Thrones when I first started reading it is, yeah, sure, it's massive and there's lots to keep track of, but it's cool that there's so many characters. Yeah. Because things can actually happen. When yeah. you when you only have three characters and that's it, they're obviously going to be safe because otherwise the story falls apart. Right. But when there's 30 characters, suddenly everyone but the main character is at risk. Yeah. Of either serious injury or death. <laughs> Which in... I don't know how it was in Sleeping Dogs, but in Grand Theft Auto, that usually happens. Yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot of death in Sleeping Dogs. It's, uh, it was, so Sleeping Dogs is a super solid game. It, it encouraged me to, at some point, check out Grand Theft Auto. I, went on. I use Is There Any Deal? So if you are getting back into Steam and you're looking for stuff, IsThereAnyDeal.com is a really awesome site for getting alerts when games drop below certain prices. Oh, really? So What's it called? I, is there any deal? Is there any deal? Com. Not sponsored by them. Also not sponsored by them. <laughs> uh, yeah, when I worked with uh, Shiny Loot, I used to talk with the guy. He had yeah. you know, Shiny Loot up on there. So he's got all the different stores. Like okay. Every single store is on there. So you are getting alerts from anyone, potentially. That cool. means you're going to get the game at the cheapest price. And they have a big uh, history chart of all the prices that the game has been at. Really? So you can say, oh, the cheapest this game's ever been is $6. It's like, and so the default is to have it go below that price. If it ever goes below the low, uh-huh. send me an alert. And you can set it to whatever you want. You can change a bunch of things. So I have a big wish list of like 50 <laughs> games. You also can get alerts for bundles. So if the game ever gets bundled in anything, yeah. you also get an email. It's almost like commodity training. It's uh, the way it's treating... It's like a stock market of games. <laughs> I mean, it sort of is. I mean, games yeah. are at the point now where there's so much competition for good games yeah. that... Like I just wait for things to go on big sales or bundles for the most part because I can and and I'm interested in a lot of different genres. Yeah, so if if I only played RPGs or something, that might be different. Right. But I'm willing to play pretty much any genre as long as it you know, meets some certain requirements. As long as you're not like you know chomping at the bit to get your hands on a game day one. Right. And you're like, oh, I'm going to play it, but I don't have to play it. Right. I don't have to second. play it. Now. I got ten other games I'm playing. That's exactly what I'm doing. Yeah, then suddenly then, then the you can wait for the price to come down. Usually, other than multiplayer games, which you kind of need to buy when they come out because they have a limited shelf life, right. uh, I usually maybe buy one game per year at full price. Oh, wow. Just because I don't need to. <laughs> uh, I probably bought two at full price last year or something. Well, we're going to have to get your top 50 list on our website. Well, maybe maybe we'll, we uh, <laughs> we'll slowly <laughs> eke it out one day. Yeah. But uh, it's, Not, a, it's also a work in progress. Oh, I get you. I mean, there's, you know, between games 30 and 50, for instance... It's not completely fleshed out. I have them kind of tiered. Okay. So I have a few different tiers, and within those, they're close enough to one another. But my tier one has, like, seven or eight games or something. <laughs> so those are cream of the crop. Cream but, yeah, maybe crop. at some point we'll uh, we'll get in on that. Once we have a website. Yeah. Once we have a name. Once we do. Podcast. All this stuff. <laughs> a little other stuff. We'll be uh, 
you should look forward to. Well, anything else you want to talk about, Sleeping Dogs, before we take No, just that I would totally recommend it. It was a good experience. The DLC is kind of mediocre, so I wouldn't necessarily recommend that. But okay. I'd say get the game. If you see it for 10 bucks or something, absolutely worth picking up on okay. sale. And just focus on the story. Don't don't get sidetracked by the side missions because I think people lose interest. Gotcha. But if you do that, it's a fantastic game. Sweet. All right. Uh, let's take another break, and then we'll come back to talk about Ready Player One. Yeah, we'll uh, switch it up from video games a little bit. Let's talk about movies. Delve into movies and books and sci-fi and, I guess, tangentially games. A lot. I mean, a lot, yeah. To be fair. Yeah. So we'll do it. Cool. Break time. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. We're here to dive into Ready Player One, as promised. John just saw the movie, well, just saw the movie a few weeks ago. Yep. We both read the books, is that right? I did the audiobook. You did the audiobook, I read the physical book. We've, got, we've kind of got it all covered. So we have delved into Ready Player One as much as, at least as much as I'm willing to until this moment. <laughs> yes, same. same uh, but I'm happy to talk about it. Real excited to talk about it. Uh, why don't you start us off with your thoughts on the movie and maybe a little bit about the book. Uh, you want me to start with the movie? Yeah, why don't we start with the movie first? That's so, the most recent. Yeah, so I, uh, well, for me, it's like, so basically I, I got, I got, so I, somebody, two, one or two people recommended it to me, and I, it popped up on Audible, because uh, I use, so when I'm driving between Austin and Houston, which I do almost every week right. for, for work, uh, I just crush podcasts and audiobooks. Makes sense. I would do the same. And so I, it, it was, it popped up, and I was like, yeah, I kind of went back and forth on it, and then, um, and then it got recommended to me, so I was like, you know, so let's check it out. So I listened to it, and then that's right, right before the movie came out. Okay. And so, uh, so I went and saw the movie. Um, I saw it with Erin. She liked it. Okay. Um, but I spent the entire time thinking to myself, and it was, it was my mistake. You, know, you never <laughs> should see it, read the book before the movie. And I spent the entire, or maybe it's just a sign of a bad movie. Maybe. Probably that one. Uh, but I spent the entire time just thinking to myself, that's not what happened. That's not what happened. That's not how this is supposed to happen. And did that make it any better in any way? Because sometimes things change in the movie and it's for the best. No, because, and it, I know we're going we're gonna to be talking some shit here about this, uh, but okay. I, I uh, you know, I didn't like the book either. Um, <laughs> but the movie was even worse than the book. Right. Well, and the reason good. why I want to see it is because even in, in, in the book, there were still really cool moments. So there were some cool moments. Yeah, you had you know you have to kind of slog through some pretty awful dialogue and oh, yeah. some pretty cliche story moments. Oh right? yeah, you're just like this sucks. <laughs> oh yeah. But the ideas were really I thought were really interesting, and there were some very very cool moments. Yeah, the world is I think. The only selling point of Ready Player One. Yeah, yeah. to it, me, such it's such a cool idea that was poorly executed. I guess. Yeah, he certainly had a lot of stuff that he wrote down on paper to create a world right. that was cool, and yep. he at times gave you glimpses into that world in a way that was really fun and exciting to read about. And you're like, wow, this would be a really cool game or story if somebody else wrote it. Yeah, <laughs> but you did a good job making the world at least. Yeah, but they. Uh, they left out a lot of like the cyberpunk aspects in the movie. Mm. Uh, the movie left out like there was some really cool cyberpunk stuff that happens. Yeah, like the dystopian world. Yeah, the okay. dystopian side, like you know how in the in the books the, their head is all shaved, and right. so they can connect to the system better. And um, and I, this, did they just focus on the MMO type world, the VR world? Yeah, for the, the most thing. part. In the, you haven't seen the movie. In the movie, yeah. You saw the movie, right? I haven't seen the movie. Oh, you haven't seen the movie. I'm, oh. never, I'm never going to see the movie. <laughs> Okay. I did not. I'm not going to watch a movie on a book I didn't like. I just That's I fair. feel wrong, and I don't want to support the world by doing that. All right. Before I go trashing the movie too much, what did you think about? You read the book. What did you so think about? yeah, I mean, so far I think we're pretty much on the same page. Yeah. Uh, I thought this story was pretty boring and generic. Uh, the ref 80s references were okay, but I'm pretty big into the gaming world, and even me, a lot of them kind of flew over my head. I'm not, like, huge in the 80s. I right. just like games. It's just stuff like Joust I certainly recognize and right. familiarize myself with. But for the most part, he's making these references, and I'm like, okay, cool. I don't... I really don't care. His characters were 
awful. They were super <laughs> one-dimensional. They had bad dialogue, like you said. Yeah. Uh, I didn't relate to any of them. I wanted to just say, oh, God, why am I still reading this? And it kind of also was happening at a time where, you know, I talk about wanting to only have top 50 games. Me wanting to experience exceptional stuff is extended to everything. And Ready Player One is basically the last book that I finished that I'm going to finish that's bad. Gotcha. Like, my mentality now, I would have put it down at least maybe halfway through the book. Right. I mean, maybe I would have given it that much. The first 100, 120 pages, nothing happens. <laughs> it's so boring. And, yeah, you set up a world that's pretty cool, uh, but it's so boring. Dude, I could not imagine. So I could not imagine having to read that. So I had at least the benefit of doing something, and I got Will Wheaton Yakking in my ear. He's the one that reads the book. <laughs> I mean, that probably helps a little bit. And there's a moment when they, when they reference Will Wheaton from from uh, from Star Trek. And he he's the one reading his own reference. Yeah. He's putting can, a little flair into you it. You could almost hear him, like, winking uh, at you. <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah. So, okay, that's fine. But, like, but even still, like, I can't imagine the amount of just exposition that they go into. Just, just on and on and on. And having to, like, listening to it is... And while driving and working is one thing, but if you're just sitting there trying to read through all of that... Oh, yeah, that's nice. bad. But although if you're driving, you have to worry about falling asleep. It's way more <laughs> risky. If I fall asleep, at least I'm on my couch here. Yeah. It's yeah. not so bad. So I have really nothing good to say about it, except that the world was really cool. The way that they tied in the dystopian yeah. future with how the MMO rules, like say MMO, it's sort of a VR MMO type world. And you could imagine this sort of game existing, Yeah, right? I mean, this is something that may happen in the near future and probably will to some extent. Reminded me of uh, Second Life a lot. Yeah, it does kind of work like Second Life. I mean, yeah. just more advanced. Right. Uh, I think there are parts where he's like, running on a treadmill to generate energy to yeah. fuel the game. And that was kind of cool. It's like, hey, you can actually you can stay in shape. I mean, most people are sitting around getting fat probably playing the game. Uh, but I thought all of that was cool and well thought out, and he certainly put some effort into that. But his writing is super simplistic and not interesting. Like, some writers are simple, but it's a way that keeps the story just quickly going. Yeah. Right? His doesn't take advantage of that, so his writing is not good, in my opinion. His story isn't interesting. His characters are bad and not... Like, I don't relate to them. Right. I don't empathize with them. I just want them to go away so the story is over. <laughs> and I don't know why I kept reading the book, but I did. And like I said, it kind of helped put me on my path of wanting to stick to exceptional stuff. So I, I didn't like the book, uh, and I'm not going to watch the movie for that reason. Yeah, there's, and they left out the few cool things I really wanted to see that got left out. Like, okay. Like, the way he gets... You know the quarter for the extra life. Yeah. In the story, he right. goes down into this bizarre, like, museum planet. Right. Which sounded cool. Right. And he goes all the way down and finds this little Pac-Man arcade yep. game tucked in the back somewhere. And it's sort he, of like a basement, like abandoned mall type. Yeah. It's kind of what I imagined it yeah. was happening. Which sounded like I wanted to see that. And then he plays a perfect game. Right. And that's the idea. And it takes him forever. And then he gets this like special life. And at first he thinks it's a clue, and then it turns out it's not. And yeah, that was another thing. In the books, the mystery, at least, was far more developed. In the movie, they just ditched, like, everything. Okay. Uh, in the books, there's so much more mystery and puzzle solving going on, I guess. Yeah. Um, you do sort of see him go, like, spin his gears to kind of figure out everything. Yeah, a little bit, at least. Yeah, at least there's, like, you know. So, uh, but I had just come off of reading um, Iron Council, but do you know China Mieville? No. So, Charlie Mayville is a sci-fi writer. Uh, he's most well-known for, like, Perdido Street Station, uh, The Scar, um, Kraken. It's basically one of the one of the best um, science fiction, like, cyberpunk, steampunk writers of the last, like, 20 years. Like, this, okay, this cool. Guy is, yeah, I'll have to. He's amazing. I, I don't co come across a lot of good cyberpunk stuff. Dude, his books are incredible. And what I love about him, too, okay. is that as you're reading, you know, it, it's you're constantly like for me at least I'm constantly having to look words up in the dictionary and I, I feel like I read at a pretty decent level sure you know, at least a five year old right <laughs> sure right, uh, at least but so I'm sitting there like oh, I gotta go figure out what that word means uh, so he his vocabulary is very aggressive and what I really love about him is every page is like a new idea and I don't mean just like a there's no there's no cliche there's no tropes he's just rolling out 
It's just totally original, new things. It's pretty impressive, considering and, how much stuff has already been done. Yeah, it's hard it's, not to be derivative to some extent. But it's just constant. Like every, and he, he somehow like it's a constant stream of just here's a new idea, here's a new idea, here's another new idea, here's another new idea. Hey, you never thought about this before, and he'll do it, and it's like he'll just throw it in there and move on. And you're just like, wait, that was really cool. <laughs> I could stay there. But he's got so many more new ideas. And uh, another another good thing he does is he doesn't waste time. Um, with aspects of a story that you don't, you don't need to. So they're like, hey... That's good. <laughs> yeah, he's like, hey, we're going to have this big heist. And he'll actually write about all the planning of the heist and what they're going to do and how it's going to work out. And then he just skips to... When it, then he just... The next page is they've done the heist. And that's the follow Right, because they've already gone through everything that's yeah. going to happen. Yeah, Why redo it? Yeah, he just skips it. So like a lot of times he'll just skip boring parts. Like he doesn't... If people are traveling somewhere... And he doesn't need to write about them traveling there. He doesn't. He just skips it. Right. I, now, yeah, now they're here. Yeah. I agree. That's a big thing that good writers do is they assume that the readers are intelligent enough to fill in the blanks. Like, this thing happened. There's a time in between. I'm not going to tell you about it, but you'll catch up really quickly in the first few paragraphs. Yeah. I think that's a sign of at least one part of writing well. Right. Uh, one thing you mentioned, so the large, the vocabulary being very dense, does that, you think, add to the story? You just like it because you're learning new stuff? Why do you, you said you liked it. Yes. Oh, uh, Why? it adds to the story. Immensely. Okay. So he's, he's an English writer, okay. uh, like from, from Britain. Okay. And uh, so his vocabulary is already a little different. But right. um, yeah, he's a mastery of the English language that is unparalleled. It's yeah. bad because you don't want to like slow down the pace mm. to have to look up stuff. But yeah. sometimes it can be good because it's an important part. Of what you're reading, yeah, it doesn't doesn't slow down the story at all, uh, and also because it is so many, there's so many new things. He also just creates a lot of words as well. Okay, just, you know, got to hang out. So my whole reason for bringing that up, though, right. is I came off of reading or finishing. I'd just done uh, the Scar and Iron Council, kind of back okay. to back, the audiobook over the last you know last year. Gotcha. And then I go into Ready Player One, and it's just, <laughs> oh. <laughs> it was. <laughs> The writing, I mean, it's its not even fair to that guy. I, I kind of felt bad because I'm like, you can't hold a candle to this Right. Thing. Like, you know, this, is, this is your entire book is based on cliches and tropes and references. And I just got off reading one of the most creative writers of our generation. Right. Like, you just yeah. sat through learning calculus and next year you go back to basic arithmetic yeah. and you're like, uh, this is really dumb. That's, that's a great way to put it. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, the, I do wish... I do wish they'd done this in the movie. There is a scene, you know, when they each get their, by finishing a certain quest, they get to select a robot. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. The, uh, it was sort of like the, I imagine the, that Japanese, uh, what's his, I can't remember his name, but you know what I'm talking about, that robot, robot who's like Godzilla size. Yeah, the, uh, it starts with an S, I think. Or, I know what you're talking, they use him in the books. Yeah, they he use plays him in the books. A, he plays I huge, guess that's why, he's probably in the books. That's he plays probably a huge why I, role in the books, right? yeah. Maybe that's why I remember it. But that whole, that whole ending fight scene, uh, there, was, there was no Iron Giant. They used Iron Giant like the entire time in the movie. And mm -hmm. I was like, that was not the robot any of them chose. But that last scene where like they've got the huge army and then like all four of them land and they're giant, they're giant right. you know, robots and they have a big fight with the Mecha Zilla. I guess the Iron Giant is just, they use... Like the Iron Giant from the movie, basically. Yeah, and just, so it probably was an easier reference, like a more recent reference, right? Whereas the old Japanese thing is from the '80s, which the entire movie is. But whatever. Well, they're also they're referencing like Gundam and uh, some old Japanese okay. shows. Okay, so they did and, some stuff. Yeah, and that would have been really cool to see. Right, but they didn't do it. Yeah, that's unfortunate. <laughs> that is unfortunate. So the movie was even worse than the book. Yeah, which we sad. both think the book is had some cool ideas and had really poor execution. Yep. It's incredible that it's as popular as it is. I guess I, it's unique because of the 80s, like, just throwing a bunch of 80s references at people. I don't I know. I mean, is it that popular? I mean, is it? It is. I mean, it's popular enough to get made into a movie. And it got, you know what? It got good reviews, I think. Rotten Tomato the, had it. The book or the movie? The movie. I mean, it had, it had like, a, I mean, like I said, Aaron enjoyed it. I've actually, people have told me that the movie was better than the book. So. Oh, so I'm in the minority here, man. I think you're in the minority. I think people, and my understanding is that people who liked the movie liked it more than the book because they didn't have all the silly, like it was just sort of an entertaining ride, mm -hmm. it was the idea, and it didn't have all the trite, well, as much of the trite shit that the book goes through that you're just sort of wading through, yeah. whereas you just go to get a fun action film, like not, it's not highbrow entertainment, right. it's... 
Mm-hmm. Sort of just, here's an action movie, and let's have fun with it for a little bit. And that's all you're really going to get out of it. Yeah. So, yeah, it's certainly very different than the book. Everyone said it's different than the book. It is. I, it, and maybe it's just kind of what you expect to get out of it, or whether you have certain expectations when you go into it. Yeah. But if you maybe turn off what happened in the book and wanted to just see them do the book better, like, it's not like maybe you wanted to see them just do the book good. I was, I was hoping to see that, because I, like I said, it was a cool idea. Right. Like, the story idea was neat, um, but they took characters that were already, you know, in the book who had pretty crappy development and relationships with each other right. and simplified it even more for the movie. So That's they incredible. became even less interesting <laughs> and they are even more one dimensional. You know, you just, you know, there'd be like the relationships would develop and you're just like, man, that took in the book, it was poorly done. And that took, you know, five chapters and in the, in the movie they did in five seconds. You're just gotcha. like, yeah, it's like, there's no reason they would be. anyway. So I'm, I'm getting, I'm glad I didn't see the movie. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad should, I'm still not going to see the movie. I don't think we should talk about ready player one anymore. <laughs> well, we, we did our part. We've warned people against, <laughs> against seeing, against listening to what seems to be the popular opinion of seeing the movie or reading the book. Yeah. So we will dissent from those opinions and <laughs> tell you, no, there's better stuff out there. Yes. If you got to, if you're going to spend the time, I mean the audiobook. if you, if you find yourself in a car for that long, <laughs> You know, it's not, no, don't do it. Don't <laughs> even go. Right. Just find another audiobook. You get to hear. You get There's to, better stuff. You get to hear. You have a short life. You should do things that are read, read things or listen to things that are exceptional, yeah. not things that are mediocre. At best. Like I'm doing uh, American Gods right now. Finally, uh, by Neil Gaiman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that, I haven't read anything by him. I have a, one of his books. He's a fantastic writer. Yeah, I've, I've heard that. I will at some point. American Gods is a great. It's. I, I'm so I'm, I've finished it. I'll, we'll talk about it when I finish it. Sounds good. Super cool. Because I started watching the TV show. I didn't right. finish it, but uh, I wanted to get to the book itself. Okay. okay. Yeah, I'll read some of the stuff at some point. Oh, cool. I think we did it for this week. Yeah. Let's, so, uh, pretty let's good. call it. i got to get to work. Pretty good time. What? <laughs> That's crazy. Just podcast for four hours. Cool. <laughs> all right. So, uh, guys, this is fun. Guys and gals. Listeners of all kinds and <laughs> shapes and sizes and colors and, I don't know, whatever other ways you can describe people. Two-eyed, three-eyed, no-eyed. Yeah. We don't care about your cu- number of eyes. <laughs> if you have radiation superpowers, that's cool, too. <laughs> all right. This is John. This is Chris. And, uh, bye. Later. Later. <laughs>